Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot, No Questions Asked, Master in the Art of Intuitive Reading, and Twist Your Fate, Manifest Success with Astrology and Tarot. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 234 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Elements of Alchemy and Tarot. And my special guest is Kim Kranz, the author behind The Wild Unknown Tarot and the new Wild Unknown Alchemy Deck and Guidebook. Welcome, Kim. Teresa, thanks so much for having me. Well, I am a huge fan. I think every tarot person I know has a copy of The Wild Unknown Tarot, and your new deck is super exciting, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So I'm really glad to have you here, and I think this is a great topic that people are, I mean, people are always interested in things like elements and alchemy. So what I'd like you to start off first is by just explaining what the elements are, uh, how much you explain what they are, and why they're important in tarot. Mm. Okay, it's such a great question because they fuel the tarot in a way that I didn't think about until I started really delving into this question for me of like, well, why does the tarot work so well? And after I put the first Wild Unknown tarot deck out and I just saw how well the the cards work, not necessarily my cards I just mean the tarot in general like it works so well and so I ended up going back to school to study Jungian depth psychology and it was there in that program that I started to learn I, I use this analogy sometimes well if tarot is a really great like let's say it's a shiny black Corvette like it just drives really well and people like riding in it and it's a great ride it really works and I wanted to know, like, well, what's the engine of this machine? Like, what makes it run? What makes the tarot run? And that's when I discovered the archetypes. Um, they are these underlying forces, universal and timeless. And the tarot is 78 of those archetypes. And the arrangements of those archetypes then really activate our psyches in this like endless ways and endless formations. But it's a really precise selection of 78 sort of archetypal moments or personalities or aspects of the self and, and the cosmos that I think um, make up the deck. And then I thought, well, what if, if that's the engine of the car, what's fueling the engine? And so then I started to study and found that alchemy, you know, this single flame, there's a spark, there's a, there's literally heat in the engine, like a, the sparks are, are, are firing in the spark plugs, and it's creating combustion and heat. And that's actually what keeps the engine going. So it comes down to this single flame. And you could say that the archetypes and all of the tarot cards have different arrangements of the elements in them. We see that in the minor arcana explicitly because the suits are delineated by the elements, um, the fire, water, earth, and air. And then in some lineages and, and, and uh, wisdom traditions, there's, of course, ether or space. Um, and in, in Chinese alchemy, you'll see different a different arrangement. 
um, of the elements, but basically you always see this formation of the, the earth, water, fire, air, and that you could think of the tarot even in alchemical terms, like what is the balance of those elements in the magician, for example, versus the lovers, versus uh, the death card? At what point in the sort of alchemy of these elements is that particular card? So it's not a framework we typically use to look at the tarot through, but it's actually pretty helpful. And it's helpful to think of archetypes that way too, like the mother versus you know, the, the warrior as being a different balance of, of uh, the elements. So the alchemy deck just goes straight in heavy, he heavy hitting in, in towards the question of how do the elements of our world um, affect us and how does looking at our world alchemically help us navigate? So if someone asked you what alchemy is, how would you explain it in layman's terms, just in case there's someone listening and they're like, what are we talking about with this alchemy? Right. I mean, I'm still like, what are we talking about with this alchemy? So you could think about it in some in different ways. One is the historical way to think about it. So you, the mind might typically go back to like medieval Europe, which is sort of the precursor to chemistry, where people were studying, tinkering in their um, laboratories, as they call them, and trying to make gold from lead. So it's this idea of the process from of creating uh, from lead gold. And from that, there's this metaphor of what is base becoming noble, what is unconscious becoming conscious. So we could look at it historically. We could also just talk about alchemy in terms of a process, like what's being revealed. Because alchemy is happening all the time. Um, your tea is cooling there that you're drinking. So there's a certain alchemy with the temperature of the air and uh, the temperature of the tea, and also your preference of, of, of what temperature you like is the alchemy in your own mouth and your own awareness of your body saying, well, I like it when the tea is just a little lukewarm, actually. It's my favorite. So these nuances of, of just being very much in our physical world, um, that is alchemy. And then the third way of looking at alchemy is, is a perspective of saying or knowing or experiencing there's more to life than it seems. There's more in the physical uh, than meets the eye. So it's this merging of the physical experience and the mystical experience and vice versa, that the mystical can be found in the very physical, in the, in the tea if you were to really go into it and say that, you know, uh, there's a lot of magic happening just in a single cup. And it's an experience people have been having since the beginning of time. The pleasure of the warmth of the drink on the lips is a universal um, human experience. So alchemy always brings us back to that, the universal, the human in, in, the, in the cosmos and in, the, in our e ecosystem. And I have to agree because tea for me is very much a spiritual experience. I mean, I am a tea drinker, so I love that analogy. Um, so can the elements point out what is being transformed or does it just show the energy behind the transformation? Um, it's a great question. So the, the trump cards of this deck are the eight alchemical operations. Um, 
And I learned about these while studying alchemy from a Jungian perspective, um, which can be a little bit old school sometimes, but I really appreciated how the operations were broken down. Um, there's this great book called Anatomy of the Psyche. Again, some parts are outdated, but it really lays out these eight um, operations. And um, you'll see these cards in the deck. So there's a, a fire card called Calcinatio, which is calcification. The water card is Solutio, solu uh, to, dis to dissolve, um, dissolution. And then the earth is Coagulatio. It's uh, coagulation and sublimatio's air. It's when things get dispersed. Um, and then there's the mortifactio card, the rotatio card, separatio and conjunctio. And all of those eight, I know I'm like throwing a lot of Latin words out. Um, just stay with me. All of those eight map out these different really big phases in, in one's life where, for example, um, the dissolution card is water. So to your question, it's the process of being kind of washed out or where everything dissolves, your ego dissolves, your sense of what you thought was happening dissolves, <laughs> what you should be doing, who you are. Um, it can be a time of a lot of emotional release along with the water is like the tears and the, um, the, the dampness. Um, so that covers a kind of phase that everyone goes through at some point. They call it in alchemy. Um, there's a card in the deck that points precisely to this. It's called the drowned king. And it means, um, it's the king is often referred to as the ego in alchemy. So it's like the king has to die. The king's got to drown in order for the gold to appear because the king's ego is holding the process back. And if we want benevolence from the king, if we want compassion and a really a, a rulership that's done through a really wide open eyes coming from a lot of perspectives, we first got to <laughs> we got to get this king. <laughs> underwater <laughs> so um that's one way you could think of kind of imagine imaginally or um fantastically how we can work with our own ego and our own sense of rigidity is through this water excessive water that can be very uncomfortable so the drowned king is in your your deck the wild unknown alchemy deck uh what would that what would that be the correspondence in a traditional tarot deck? Would it be the hanged man? Oh, it's a, it's a great question. Um, hanged man is a, is a great reference. Also, you know, there's, um, I've been thinking about like the, the eight of cups, like the, the, the kind of excess of, um, liquid where there's like a lot <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense or not um the the disorientation there can come from um a lot of water where water is reflective like this if you know if we just start thinking about the tarot cards through an alchemical perspective it's like what are the qualities of water you can't hold it it goes everywhere 
it's reflective. It's kind of like a mirror. It has all these, um, you know, it can be refreshing. Like the, the nine of cups has that the water can be deeply nourishing and deeply, um, like filling one's cup. But if we don't have that cup kind of prepared to go back to the tea analogy, it can be like really messy. If there's liquid that's not um, sovereign or sort of like good for us, it can be really sticky and yucky and murky. So um, I would say, yeah, there's there's definitely a hangman aspect because of the suspension of what the king wants to have happen. Um, you know, the king has to stay underwater for a while in order to really be drowned. It's not like splash your face with the water. It's a real submergence. It's, um, it's dissolved. There's this saying in alchemy, dissolve to coagulate. So it means fall apart to come back together with more consciousness. And I love what you said about so, water. And the other thing too, water can really be destructive. You know, uh, yeah. water can cause things to rust. Water created the Grand Canyon, which is when you think yeah. about that, that's pretty phenomenal. It carved out all that massive stone formation. So water's got a lot of power and that makes sense that it can absolutely do a lot to transform a situation. So yeah. um, how do you use the elements to create change in your life? Is there any way that you like work with them directly? It, it's a great question. Um, it's really helpful to think about um, them with relationships or with creative projects or something you want to work on. Um, you actually can just think about the project or the relationship as the container. Um, there's a reading in the guidebook that just has two cards um, it's called less is more. And on the left side, it's less of this. And on the right side, it's more of this. So, um, it's a way to start thinking of like, does this project need more heat? Does it need more attention and more drive? Or am I actually like, you know, especially in terms of relationship, if there is a lot of heat or tension or resentment or passion or however the heat shows up, Maybe it needs space and maybe it needs a cool, uh, you know, the, the aspect of water that's cooling and nourishing. And so instead of another intense discussion slash argument, you're like, let's go for a walk in the evening when it's cooler. I love that. You know, you utilizing even like is it light out is it dark what's happening with the moon like how can we really use the elements to kind of balance out uh what's happening in the container of the relationship or the project that's there's really a card brilliant. in the yeah there's a card in the deck called it's just the fog card <laughs> and um you know, I've heard something, I can't believe I'm drawing a fog card. This is like so boring, but it's really, really helpful. Actually, if you think about the qualities of fog. So if you were in a creative project and you draw the fog card, uh, fogginess, you know, we all know what that might mean. And things are unclear. Um, they're cool. And the thing about fog is there's that saying the fog will lift by noon. The sun breaks up the fog 
So you can wait it out or you can also bring some heat in. You could bring more commitment in. You could bring a little bit more passion into the project. I don't know what that looks like for a person, but just instead of like taking your project personally, like I can't figure out this book right now. I am not a good writer. I am fill in the blank. You don't have to go down that path with an alchemical perspective. You can say, Ooh, I'm in, I'm in the fog right now. It's, it's cool. I can't quite see. I'm early in the stages of the development. Uh, I'm trying to make my way. I don't know what direction to go in, but this is just fog and it will pass. And there's a couple things that I know I can do to lift the fog. And, and that would be something heat based, something something that arouses like your passion for the project. So if I was writing and I was stuck in the book, I would maybe do like three pages of fast, like uh, um, stream of consciousness writing to get my flow back. I'm not going to use this stuff. I'm not judging it. It's just like, I need to get the system firing again and that will help with the fog. It's kind of like burning through it. Kind of like they say, you know, the sun burns the fog away and doing something like an activity like that can burn the fog away. Right. So literally like jumping jacks or something. I mean, I'm a huge fan of jumping jacks in the studio because um, I can get really fixated on a, on a certain thing and uh, I can't like push and shove my way out of it. So I need to change gears. Um, so can you share a time when maybe a tarot reading transformed your life? I will. Um, this goes back to when I was uh, first drawing the Wild Unknown tarot deck. I hadn't told anyone I was drawing it yet. It was going to come out probably eight, ten months later as a self-publish. And... Um, I went and got a tarot reading in upstate New York and I was extremely shy. I didn't tell her that I was drawing the deck. I didn't tell her anything um, because I was so intimidated by the world of tarot and whatever my place would be in it, you know, who was I to, to draw a, a deck. Um, and I remember that the, uh, I can't remember exactly what spread she did, but the final position, um, the, the final outcome card was the hermit. And she said, I don't know what you're working on or what you're up to, but you need to close all the books you've been reading. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And, and she just said, like, what you have to create is going to come from inside of you. And the people that it will impact need you to fully be you. So close the books. You've read enough. You've studied enough. Now be with the light that's inside of you, like the hermit, and go in and in. 
and don't be like afraid to be solo, you know, just, just go in and in. And I was like, oh my God. You know, every time with the tarot, I'm like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> and so I just, I really took that to heart and I just went back to my studio and I closed all the books that I was like double checking if I was saying the right thing or if drawing the right thing or whatever. It gave me some major, major freedom to just say, oh, wait a second. My responsibility is to just assimilate what I've studied and um, what I've been drawing for years and years and years, and just trust that, that this is going to come through in the way that it's supposed to in my life. So uh, that was incredibly impactful. Um, really, really wise words, I think, for, for anyone at that moment in a creative project where like, you've done enough of the work, now it's time to just uh, let what wants to come through, come through. Such a brilliant story, and I'm glad she told you that because your deck is phenomenal and Thanks. so popular. But let's talk about your new deck now. I mean, we've hinted okay. around it a bit in our conversation. It's called the Wild Unknown Alchemy Deck, and it's so interesting because it's a hexagon shape, which I love, and different than any deck I've ever worked with. So what was the inspiration behind this deck? Well, the inspiration was once I learned about the alchemical operations, um, especially the, the operations, the other cards are really helpful too, because they open up the ima imagination uh, to such a vast degree. Um, but the operations were so helpful for me. Um, I had to present on so, uh, separatio uh, in graduate school, and I was assigned that topic, and it was right when I was uh, going through a, a divorce. And learning about this, you know, Latin word, oh, there's like a Latin word for it, separatio, that, that, that it's this phase in uh, development where the things that were congealed um, separate in order to find more consciousness as individuals, to, to know to know their own identity and that they're um, from in whatever the dynamics are unable to do that within the coagulated state within coagulatio. So I then could frame this really complex part of my life and understand it again, like less personally, but, but seeing them in art and myth and in pop culture, where does separatio occur? It's the ace of swords. It's this, it's that, um, initiating of the de decision, the delineation, and then moving towards the action. And it's not um, messy or dramatic. It, it can be, of course, but, but if we really can um, utilize the energy of separatio, it can be done kind of with more kindness um, to self and other than, than it might be done in without the awareness. So, I mean, once I felt the profound impact that that had on me in such a personal, like deeply, uh, you know, complex time in my life, I was like, I have to get this deck out into the world and introduce people to these ideas because the concepts are so powerful and helpful that even if I feel like I'm not quite 
scholarly enough to, you know, be the one to make this deck. I was like, somebody's got to make this deck. And I think I'm just barely the one that needs to make it right now. So I was like, I have to get over my own self-consciousness and, and create it. And I, you know, alchemy is such a vast, vast subject and it's so intimidating. Um, that's one of the reasons I felt like I had to delve into it because it's um, framed as though it's like old white dudes in um, medieval Europe, you know, doing smart things in a laboratory. And it's, it's like, no, it's been happening since the beginning of time. We've been cooking our, our food. We've been using water. We've been heating things. We've been, um, you know, every, just about every vocation has, has alchemy inside of it as its structure. Um, so once I saw that, I was like, Kim, uh, you have to get, you know, muster your courage and just create the deck and know that these ideas are really helpful for people. Absolutely. And I think you're the right person to, to create this deck. It's beautiful. It's deep. And uh, for people who are listening, it, you know, whether you're into tarot or oracle cards, it's something you're going to want to check out against the Wild Unknown Alchemy Deck and Guidebook. It's just launched recently. It's stunning. Um, you know, in in some of my teaching, I've been sharing it with people, and they've really gotten some incredible readings also by playing around with this deck. So there's definitely something powerful and potent in this deck. And, of course, my last question for you then, are you going to be creating more decks in the future, or is this it? This is my last one. Um, I have this vague vision of being like 80 and redrawing the wild unknown tarot. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it then when I'm just barely, you know, who knows what will be happening then. But um, I'd like to let the decks sort of settle until then. And I feel like alchemy is a great. Uh, completion of the series because alchemy is so much about that idea of you know the end being the beginning they say uh although changed i arise the same mm. so mm. it's this idea that every day is the beginning well i really love the deck so i'm grateful that you did create that and where can people find you if they want to know more about your work if they want to purchase this new deck or any other of your other decks they can find me on insta i have a personal feed uh kim crams and then the wild unknown has its own feed as well and in the links and bio there you'll you'll see uh, purchase options and then there's websites for both uh, myself and the wild unknown as well awesome well i want to thank you a for creating so such amazing decks and also for spending some time with me today kim thank you so much such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Teresa. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And of course, you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, lots of books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and plenty of other goodies for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast, you know what I want you to do. I want you to get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, 
Pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. Let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.